Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. Sorry, everybody. We thought it would be hilarious to uh, get our comedian friend to come up and bomb right before we start the show. Okay? <laughs> yes. Welcome to the live walk-off podcast, everybody. This is our very first one. We thank you so much for coming out and, and supporting the podcast. I'm Scott Belfort, joined, as always, by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. And we have all sorts of stuff to get to today. Number one, we are going to... It's it's better if I hold it a little further back. This is how intimate it is, all right? And, and this is what we were worried about. It's funny, because one third of the tickets that were bought have showed up. So number one, to everyone watching at home, thank you if you bought tickets. We appreciate it. And even more thank yous if you bought tickets and then came out. Yeah, the extra mile. The extra mile, exactly. So we are going to get into the crowd at the end of the show, and we are going to do a mini mailbag. So if you've got a topic, a comment, a question you want to get in on today's show, it is all you folks. Okay, we also are going to go over the Marlins and Jays series that just happened. We've got three studs and a dud. Mr. Mack doing his homework today. Uh, we're going to do the week preview as well. The West Coast comes east, right? Oakland and San Francisco. And then we are also going to talk some of Robles Martinez and the farm system and how things are looking. I'm curious to see the comment section on this one tomorrow. If we get more complaints about the lighting or the sound. <laughs> So it's my first podcast where I'm actually wearing pants, so I'm looking forward to this. Yes, well, shorts. Oh, okay, I'm still not wearing pants. You can't check that one off. Exactly. Um, so, Adam, let's start with Tuesday night. Because I think everyone in this room will attest to the fact that Tuesday night in Miami, the team showed up. Listen, and offense has still been a problem. Okay, offense still was a struggle, but there was something about that game that gave me hope going forward. They did not make a mistake defensively that entire game, and they were nails in the outfield, on the infield. That Bobochet non-play, like, is there is there a better non-play that's that you can think of by that man? Okay. Tuesday night was coming off the back of the 11-0 loss on Monday. <laughs> when we were at our lowest. When we were at our lowest. Yeah. Here's how low I'm at. Monday night, Tuesday morning. I'm wondering if we don't win a game in this series, and after Monday night it's feeling possible. I'm wondering if we need to be sellers of the deadline. That's how dark it felt. And I was trying to talk myself out of this like overreaction, but... I'm starting to do the math on like, Vladdy's not getting a contract this offseason, right? Because there's no way he's gonna, unless he has a wild second half, he's not Which gonna, is possible. Sure, but it would have to be, it would have to rival Matt Chapman's April. Yes. For three months, for him to get a, a contract that justifies something he's gonna, like, the only kind of money we could offer him right now would be reasonable to what we're experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. He's not going to do that. We're not going to get him a contract in the middle of next season. No. So now we're looking at the end of next season, and now he's only one year away from free agency. And at that point, some major decisions need to be made anyways. So that's where I'm like, oh, do we just... I mean, I'm, I'm entertaining thoughts of what would we get back for Vladdy? And then I'm slapping myself because we can't do that. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like, everyone out there, you, you go on Twitter and people are screaming, trade Vladdy. But the truth is, if you trade Vladdy for prospects, 
You're just crossing your fingers that someone hits as good as he already has. Not to mention, this is the lowest return you'd ever get. The lowest return you could possibly get for Worst possible return. Return. Yeah, like. But there are decisions on, like, a Matt Chapman. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm still not sure we should be buyers at the deadline. But standing back feels stupid. Especially with, and I mean right now as we sit, the New York Yankees are losing 10-0 in the eighth inning. Okay, Boston just lost 6-0 to the Twins. The Jays are half a game out of a wild card spot. And Houston and New York are not lighting the world on fire. Like there is definite room here for the Blue Jays to quite easily get into the wild card. They're on pace for 87 wins right now. Wow. If, is that ever a dep depressing sentence? If they sweep Oakland, they're on pace for 90. Sweet. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> toxic positivity is what we're going for. So, you betcha. I mean, well, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, Tuesday went good. Uh, Wednesday went good. Can anyone remember... This team looking that good defensively front to back in a game, like they didn't make an error, everything was crisp. Dalton Varsho made a couple of catches at the end that literally saved them. Like, the pitching was good. Yusei Kikuchi gave a good six innings. But it's not like the pitching is what won that game. Let's be serious, what won that game was shut down defense from details. every position. Attention to details. The mantra of this club that we you know, have never seen this entire season. <laughs> uh. So, with Gosman winning Game Three there, and we are going to uh, we are going to get into the week coming up here, but we'll save that. He had a huge, huge series-ending win, going seven innings. Looking like the ace they went out and got. Even when he gave up those two runs, right? He came right back with another shutdown, three up, three down inning in the fifth there. Is this a good point to throw the three studs in a dud? Let's do it. Uh, yeah, three studs in a dud. Uh, Gary Gossman. Gary Gossman, not yes. Not a stud this week, despite uh, two good outings. Uh, Perhaps an honorable mention for him. Sure, honorable sure, we'll mention. We'll throw it out there. That's right? honorable mention. Honorable mention Gary for Gossman. Gary Gossman. All right. Uh, stud number three this week, Jordan Romano. Three, say I saw a Jordan Romano jersey in the uh, the audience. In the audience here. There we go. Here. <laughs> there we go. Uh, three save opportunities, three saves, uh, zero earned runs, five strikeouts to one walk. Leads runs. Major League Baseball in saves, 22 on the year, and on pace for just under 50, which would literally break every Blue Jays save record. Dwayne Ward holds the record at 44. That would be uh, big time. Remember last year we had a debate, well, not a debate, but a friendly, <laughs> friendly competition. Tongue-in-cheek almost, if you will. Yeah, it was more Vladdy home runs or Romano saves. <laughs> I didn't expect him to double it this year. Right? Thanks. Holy crap. I mean, Romano had 36 saves last year, which was uh, a career best, and it also just marginally beat Vladdy for home runs. He had 32 after taking a big dip after his 2021 breakout 48 home run season. But yeah, you are correct, man. You start doing the math on saves compared to home runs for those two this year, and Romano is running away with it. It's not so good. Uh, number two, just edging out Gary Gossman, is Yusei Kikuchi. Yes. So Gossman, yeah, uh, having himself a season, and boy, do we ever need it. Um, I mean, truth is, with where Alec Manoa is right now, which is in the Dunedin complex, can you imagine what this fan base would be going through? Like, we'd be, we'd be in full-on panic mode. And I'd be wearing an orange. If we were dealing, if we were dealing with Yusei Kikuchi from 2022 right now, like it is a darn good thing. All right, so here's here's the line on Gary Gossman this week: uh, two outings, got him 12 innings, mm -hmm. 10 strikeouts, and three walks. You say Kikuchi, two starts this week, 
13 strikeouts mm -hmm. and only two walks. He put that in 10 and two thirds innings. So he didn't go quite as deep in the games, but Yusei Kikuchi, two great starts this week. I mean, the one thing that has stood out to me about Yusei Kikuchi all year long is his walk total is way down in comparison to last year. Like, way down. And that's one of the struggles Alec Manoa has had, right? Is that he all of a sudden went from just under three walks per nine to over six. So we are obviously going to get into Alec Manoa here as the show goes on. But yeah, you say bringing down those walks, definitely helping the numbers this season. He has an ERA under four at the moment. Three, nine, seven. Give it to me on this Kikuchi. Yeah, we'll take that. All right, uh, stud number one this week, friend of the show, Danny Jansen. Hey! Yeah. Yeah. Danny Jansen, adding to his home run total, uh, three home runs this week. He has been, uh, if he's on the field, Danny Jansen has been everything we wanted out of him. He's the only guy on this team that hits the ball the opposite way. Like anytime you see an opposite field hit, it is Danny Jansen or Bo Bichette. That's about it. That's literally about it right now. The Blue Jays are 29th in the majors for opposite hit, opposite field hits. Brutal. <laughs> Danny Jansen has as many home runs as Vlad right now. Right season. He's played 30 less games. Yeah. I don't know what else. Seven more than Gabriel Moreno. And nine more than me. <laughs> All right, uh, that's your number one stud of the week. Dud, it's time for your dud. Uh, this one, I think, is my fault. I jinxed him. You're going to jump right in, or are you going to do some honorable uh, There's no, no dishonorable mentions. No. We're, uh, we've we've, we've uh, pooped on Vladdy long enough. Um, dud of the week, Nate Pearson. You going to give us numbers? No, I don't want to. No? Uh, 36 ERA this week. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, whip over four. Just Dallas giving Rossi. up lots of walks and hits. <laughs> lots of walks and hits and uh, no home runs. No, one home run. One home yeah. Run, so. yeah, he got hit hard. Uh, three bad outings. A couple of things about that. If you look at his numbers throughout the season on back-to-back -back outings, they are not pretty. Something that the analytic department hopefully is putting a giant check mark beside, you know, the asterisk star, making sure that all the khakis are getting that info down because it has been ugly when he goes back to back. So he gives you two outings, or I should say two innings, and that's something not a lot of guys in that bullpen will do. So when you get the two outing, two innings out of him, give him a couple days. Well. This week he gave us two innings, but it took him three games to get there. Yeah. So that's not the best we've seen from Nate Pearson. He's been, honestly, had a really good redemption season. Yeah. Other than once I established that he was in my circle of trust, yes. he was like, I'll give you reason to reconsider. <laughs> so there you go. Three studs and a dud. There it is. So the West Coast is coming east. We play the worst team in Major League Baseball in the Oakland Athletics, who, after winning seven straight, I think they're on a six-game losing streak right now. So they have come back down to earth. I think they're 19 and 50-something is their record, and it is ugly. The dream is a sweep, obviously. That would go a long ways to putting this team back where they should be, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, right? If they can sweep this series, they are now on pace for 90 wins. That should be enough for a wild card spot. Division holds dead, right? Everyone here, everyone's sadly kind of nodding along that yes, the, the division hope is dead. We're not catching the Rays. Five back of Baltimore. Does anyone here feel like we can catch the Orioles? Yeah? Feel it? No. Yeah, <laughs> this thing. Yeah, you shakes, Slumps come in bunches. Man. Yeah, slumps do come in bunches, and five games back in June is not insurmountable. But if the Orioles continue at the pace they're on, I don't think the Blue Jays got the got the juice. I think you need to see some real regression from the Orioles to catch them. 
which is totally possible, right? If the Jays get back on a 90-win pace and the Orioles take a five-game losing streak, that a lot of things can happen, right? So, Ori uh, Orioles' most active team in the AL East this trade deadline. They have to be. Rays don't have the money to, to make moves. Red Sox might be active, but they're still in a weird year. The Orioles will... will. They have to make moves because going into this offseason, no free agent would sign in Baltimore if they don't see any indication that this team is committed. The Orioles are going to be the most interesting team at this trade deadline because the truth is they need starting pitching going into 2024, 2025. So they could literally go out and they've got one of the deepest farm systems in all of baseball. We could watch the Orioles literally move prospects for guys under control with years. Yuck. Yuck is right. <laughs> okay, we got Oakland coming to town. We got the Giants coming to town. And we got the Red Sox coming to town. And the Blue Jays are after sending Alec Manoa down in the midst of doing this dance, when do we see the bullpen days? And we're not going to until July 1st is what it looks like. They are going to go with a four-man rotation. Obviously, we're on the off day right now. There's another off day on Monday, so they're going to use those to try and kind of massage this starting rotation. Well, they can't keep burning Trevor Richards. Is there... What? I mean... Three months ago, I would have acted like you were being sarcastic with that <laughs> Right? Yeah, me too. I mean, he was our hot seat. He was our guy who needed to shape up or ship out. He shaped up. Go ahead and yell it out here in the audience. Is there anyone you trust more than Trevor Richards besides Romano and Swanson? Maybe Mesa? Don't say Nate Pearson. No. I mean, <laughs> at this point, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, Trevor Richards has literally been one of the bright spots this season and has truly bailed this bullpen out at times and has truly bailed this starting rotation out with Alec Manoa's face plant. Yeah, well, he's four-man rotation for a bit. I don't know how long that is sustainable. It's not sustainable, and I think we are going to get into... We'll get into Alec Manoa here in a second, but let's start... With the fact Chris Bassett taking the ball tomorrow, okay, Friday, we're going to see on Saturday Jose Barrios, who, yeah, I mean, Jose Barrios has had himself a hell of a turnaround. I know that uh, he has had a few ups and downs, as we can expect from any starting pitcher in baseball, but I mean, you look at the guy's numbers and he is all the way back. The floor has just been so much higher this year. Yeah. Yeah, for both him and Yusei Kikuchi, of course, Kikuchi taking the ball for the final game of this series in Toronto against Oakland, and then it's the off day. Uh, Alec Manoa, by the way, had a simulated game down in Florida yesterday. He's around the 80 pitch mark. He's taking some live at-bats to any of the guys down there at the complex right now. So what is going to be interesting and I'm even interested to see what you folks here think, and you can feel free to, to speak up if, if you have a thought on this. But, uh, Adam and I kind of assumed that at the earliest we would see Alec Manoa would be after the All-Star break. And, and that's truly what I want to see happen, because I would love to see the kid go up to the Vancouver Canadians, get a start or two, move up to New Hampshire, move up to Buffalo, kind of the Roy Halladay roadmap. Every pitcher is differently, and we don't need to quick keep pointing to the roadmap of Roy Halladay, but that said, I do like the idea of him incrementally taking steps forward and maybe joining this rotation with full confidence after dominating at every level come, uh, come August. But there's already speculation out there that we might see a call-up of Alec Manoa July 1st, Canada Day, and the, literally, you grabbing your face like that is exactly how I feel. I think we watched Alec Manoa in the wildcard game in his biggest moment of his career buckle a little bit. I'm not putting that loss solely on Alec Manoa, obviously, that was a, a team effort, that whole 
wild card loss to the Seattle Mariners was a team effort. But then we saw his next probably biggest game of his career, which was taking opening day, season opener this year, and complete face plant. So to, to bring him up when they need him, and we talked about this too, we don't want to see him brought up when they're in this desperate need of a starting pitcher. Right? That kind of that kind of pressure, let's ease him back in like an old man into a warm bath. That's what I want to see happen. I don't want to see him put right into the fire. So, Adam and anyone else, feel free to speak up here. Does anyone feel differently? Are, are you, would, would anyone rather see him pitch Canada Day? No. 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 He better be good. He better be good if he does, and that's, that's a lot of pressure, right? right? Too much pressure. Agreed. That's so. Opening day was bad. Mm -hmm. He also got the home opener in Toronto a couple weeks later. Mm -hmm. It was ugly. Now we're gonna give him the Canada Day start. No, no, no. His first return from being sent down for stinking. And what if he stinks? Now what? A special you send him down again? Especially when you look at the last bullpen day, and it it was such a success. In fact, the last couple of bullpen days, even the one that they wound up losing, I think it was 11 3. Uh, I don't even remember who they were playing at this point. Feel free. They were up 3 1 in the eighth, and then wound up oh, just completely. Yeah, the Twins, right? And that was a really tough loss They're to take. 9 4. Yes. But. Bullpen blow up in the eighth. You can't really chalk that up to the bullpen day. No, I think you got to limp through at you least gotta one more through. week. Like if, the, if if we essentially need him, I just I don't want to bring him up on Canada Day. Like I know that's the next lined up. Mm -hmm. We go four man rotation twice through, and then he will be scheduled. For Canada Day. I yeah. think I would just rather either put Richards out there as an opener, mm -hmm. burn him one more time, or do a four-man rotation one more time, and then bring him up, uh, I don't know, on the sixth or the seventh, in an opener-type role. Like, maybe you give him whatever innings Richards would have gotten. Give him once through the order. I mean, if you're in a rush, like, if this organization really does wish him back up before the All-Star game, which personally I think is a mistake, I really do think that they should continue to let him get his head right. Yes. I don't even think it's his stuff. I really think it's all between the ears and I think it's physical exhaustion on his part. His inning increase from 2021 to 2022, we've talked about numerous times, and the fact that it was an almost 85% increase when- 30 is the- Yeah, 15 to 20 is the conventional increase. So that is a substantial amount. So let him continue to go down, pitching every five days at the complex, right? Throwing 80 pitches, being confident with getting these kids out. I mean, that's the truth, is he's playing the live batter, or he's pitching the live hitters, but they're 20-year-olds who aren't even in the Florida State League, so perfect. Let him, let him do that. If we're so desperate that we need to bring Manoa back, doesn't it make you worried about this trade deadline? Yes! <laughs> like. I'm panicking about the trade deadline. I'm starting to think nothing's going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about the opposite. I'm worried about Ross Atkins going all in, last swing at the fences. Bye bye, Ricky. Bye bye, Oralvis. Sell all the kids at the farm. And make one last all in push before he leaves town. I mean, he is without a doubt on the hot seat. And this is a concern that I do have. That's what this Manoa move feels like. Feels yeah. like, I don't know. There's a few things they've done that have felt panicked a little bit. Um, even the talk about like Manoa being coming back, they should squash that. Like, I think so. I think that's a crazy move to bring him back right now. Uh, Oakland. We need three wins there. I don't think two is enough. The Giants, that's gonna be a tough series. Giants are good. Uh, it's at home though, we should still take two out of three. Red Sox at home should take two out of three. And then we got the White Sox and the Tigers on the road for the last six going to the All-Star game. 
I mean, the next five series, this team has to make pay, and yes, there is some panic about the Red Sox. I'm feeling it too. If you look at this AL East record the Blue Jays currently have, it is ugly. Although, if you break it down even further, and we've done this a couple times, they are 6-6 six and six against the Rays and the Yankees. They are 1-9 and nine against the Red Sox and the Orioles. Two teams are literally killing this team right now. So, it would be huge to see them come up big against the Red Sox, a team that they absolutely manhandled in 2022. 18-1 against the Red Sox last year. So, fingers crossed that they can win some games at home against a very good Red Sox team, a much better Red Sox team than people probably gave them credit for. And the bummer is, I don't see the Red Sox regression regressing. I don't think that they're much better than they are. They're probably an 85-win team. But an 85-win team can really be a thorn in the side of a team trying to make the wild card when you're playing them a bunch at the end of the year here. I'm more concerned about the Red Sox than the Yankees. The Yankees are struggling too. Like, without Aaron Judge, without that Aaron Judge, that lineup and the pitching rotation. Cole isn't on the mound, yeah. and Aaron Judge isn't hitting. Nothing about that team scares me. They're over the hill. Yeah. Like, they really are relying on guys like Josh Donaldson, who probably retires at the end of the year. Like, I don't know. So there is, there is some, for as dominant as the AL East is, there's some soft spots. And this team darn well better take advantage of it. Yeah. When you uh, look at San Francisco, as good as they are, and we haven't been able to do the math, but are we going to see old friend Ross Stripling? Oh, how's he even doing this year? Ross Stripling started the season. I know he's doing stinky. He was stinking. Uh, he was moved at. And this is Ross Stripling's biggest strength, right? Is his ability to be yo-yoed up and down between the starting rotation and the bullpen, which is something that the San Francisco Giants have taken advantage of this season. Currently in a starting role, I think, right? I, I don't know. Let's uh, check the game logs here. <laughs> as fast as I can. Uh, he's not scheduled to start. He's not scheduled to start against the Jays, which is a bit of a bummer, but... Oh, no, he's not... He's not with the team right now. Yeah. He hasn't pitched since May 17th. Oh, is he on the IL right now? I don't know. There you go. You tell me. Okay. Good! This is this is why we're a top 10 podcast in the country, folks. It's a top 10 baseball podcast. It's all of these uh, ins and outs we know. All right. Did uh, you have anything else you wanted to add on this West Coast coming East swing they're about to go through here? Nope. Then let's talk the farm system because I know that one of the biggest... knocks. One of the biggest knocks on this organization is that the farm system is not as strong as maybe folks would hope that it would be. And I, I know we've talked about this before, that farm system rankings, they yo-yo up and down all the time because 19, 20-year-old kids take different steps forward, and all you need is a couple of these young kids to all of a sudden get on the radar of the, the top 100 prospects, and, and we go from a, a 24th out of 30 farm system to a 14 or a, 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 a nine pretty quick. And I think one of the biggest steps back the Toronto Blue Jays had this season with their farm system was Aramis Martinez fell off the radar of all of these scouts that were really high on him just a year ago. And the big downfall with Aramis Martinez is that he only hits home runs. He hits a lot of them for a 21-year-old in AA, but he just, in April, and I think you've got the stats up now, April. In April, he was 
abysmal? Is that the right term? God awful? Three, three whole runs in 15 games, I mean, that'd make Vladdy salivate. <laughs> okay. Uh, since then. A batting average, by the way, in April of under a buck 20. Yeah. Uh, since then, batting average 276 and 14 mm -hmm. home runs. So. He has 17 home runs in double A at 21 years old in the middle of June. It is insane the power he is showing, which we always knew he had, but what has really turned the season around is the fact that he's hitting singles. He's starting to bring his batting average up. Like Adam mentioned, he's hitting just over 260 since May 1st. Since June 1st, it's even better than that. Can you break it down even to that? Or am I putting you on the spot here? Well, I had totally gone to another, another page. Yeah, sure, why not? What's going to happen here? Uh, no, it's, it's gone. Give me a second, Scott. What I love is that this really isn't any less seamless than when we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, There's been no single <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. The quality is right there. Uh, June 1st through June today, He's hitting 339, an OPS of uh, 1034. I never know how to read OPS. Yeah. Too many digits. Yeah. Uh, three home runs. So Aromas Martinez really turning his season around, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see where Baseball America puts him because he fell out of the top 100, but he's still 21 years old, and the kid is leading double-A with home runs currently. Just a, a little tidbit about double-A. The average age of a double-A player is 24. So Aralvis Martinez, three years off of the average age. So still a lot of potential in the kid, even though folks have been down on him recently. A couple other things to point out too while we're talking the farm system. Addison Barger, who made huge advances last season in the organization and where he ranked prospect-wise. 23 years old, going on 24. He has struggled to stay on the field this season, and his numbers show that, but he is back off the IL from just two days ago. Okay, so he's back at AAA, and it's going to be interesting to see how he plays now that he's off the injured list and feeling healthy again. Fingers crossed that he continues to show the promise that he did last year. Are you high on Addison Barger? I like Addison Barger, but I'm not as high as some of the folks were on him. I think we need to see a little bit more, and we need to see him pushing. We need, we need to see him pushing the organization to bring him up, and we haven't seen that out of him. In fact, the guy we've seen that out of has been a couple friends of the show, Spencer Horowitz, who, who just had his Major League debut a couple weeks ago. Yes. That interview, by the way, up on YouTube currently, also on the audio side, a big tip of the hat to our audio listeners who maybe don't get the, uh, the love they deserve. And then we also have David Schneider, who has also been completely dominating in AAA this year. This is a dude who showed very little power in his first four to five years in this organization. He's 25 years old. He's been in the system for six years now. So this kid just last year was pretty much at the beginning of 2022, a non-factor. No one was talking about David Schneider. He was a 24 year old in Vancouver, single A. Since then, he has literally moved up to Buffalo and has been, if not the Bison's best offensive threat, top two or three on that team. And uh, we also did an interview with him a couple weeks ago that we'll be uh, putting out. It was supposed here. to be up yesterday. Yes, but... But I did not do it. <laughs> uh, I don't have a good reason. Uh, my wife was having a meltdown. How's that? Okay. Perfect. Let's, let's, blame her. Let's, let's blame Michelle. <laughs> yeah, it, was, uh, it was crisis at Adam's household yesterday, so... I mean, she was supposed to be here wearing her Jordan Romano jersey yes. sitting next to your wife. 
and uh, yes. crisis prevented that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam was in the midst of buying a house, which is yes. uh, stressful. Times. Yes, isn't that great? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You got uh, some David Schneider. Oh yeah, it's not fair. Look at how seamless that was. No, I had it, and then I closed it. He surprised himself how ready he was, and now and we're in this situation again, yes. Uh, David Schneider, 14 home runs, 259 batting average. Plays second, plays short, plays third, plays both outfield corners. This is a Swiss Army knife of a dude, and could fit very well as a bench piece on this Toronto Blue Jays. We may see him be the next call-up if there is knock on all the wood, a bad taco situation. Right-handed bat, and you know how badly we need one of those, as we've been saying for years. Well, they truly do need right a right-handed bat off the bench yeah. at this point, which is so funny that that's where they're at now, after complaining for three years about <laughs> not having enough left-handed bats. We got them now. Yeah. So, I think we are at the point where we could do a little mailbag. Mini mailbag, I like Mini mailbag. Do we have anything that we in the crowd here would like to talk about right now? Could be baseball related, could be my wife's meltdown related. What about other Schneider? Yeah. What about other Schneider? There. Hot seat Schneider. What about the other Schneider? And it's, it, I love that. Of course, just two days ago, a couple of reports came out that he was going to be fired, maybe as soon as yesterday. Now, <laughs> not accredited journalists released this, okay? One of the guys who mentioned it was a dude who used to work for Sportsnet six years ago. Maybe there's a reason he's not there anymore. I, and we've talked about this before, I am not the biggest John Schneider fan. He seems to overmanage at times and drive me nuts with little decisions. But I'm a baseball fan and have been for years, and I'm going to tell you right now, every single manager of this Blue Jays team that I've cheered for since I was a little kid has annoyed me like this at times. You can always point to the manager, and I'll be honest, John Schneider, that series outside of the 11-0 blowout to the Marlins, the last two games, honestly, almost every decision he made worked out. Every pinch hitting decision looked good. Bringing in... Um, what's the bench piece's name there? Ernie Clement, thank you, Lauren. Yes, okay. So Ernie Clement bringing him in. Even when they did that, I was like, why? And then gets a RBI single, and I'm like, I'll just shut my mouth then, right? Yeah, but for every Ernie Clement pinch hit, there's a yeah. Alejandro Kirk in Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, right? <laughs> so I don't know. You know what? Let's do a little uh, a little experiment here. Hand in the air if you feel this team would be better off without John Schneider at the helm. Okay, we've got. It does it's depend. Close to 50 50. So it's a close to 50 50 here. Don Mattingly would be the oh, yeah. interim, right? Yeah. And this is, this is where I, I. It's funny the face that this table just made, uh, which is a very uncertain face of Don Mattingly. And I kind of feel the same way here, too, because I am convinced that a lot of these decisions are coming from the khakis upstairs, and I truly believe that it's a collaborative decision-making team, and I don't think that John Schneider is down there being a cowboy making these decisions without already talking to Don Mattingly, already talking to, to Pete Walker and, and his, his coaching staff. So to just fire Schneider and bring in Mattingly, I mean, other than shaking things up, it doesn't feel like a win. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, this is where I keep going to with Ross Atkins, too, is what's the better option? Like, I'm not necessarily, 
I've cooled on Ross Atkins as a, a general manager, <laughs> uh, to say the least. My confidence is waning. I've been defending him for the past three seasons. Because we're optimists. Because we're toxic positivity. <laughs> and I always say you gotta wait till the cake is done baking. Yes. Before you judge it. We've sure got a lot of flour though. A lot of a lot of flour, a lot of cake, uh, with flour. Yeah. Um You know, it was really interesting listening to Blair and Barker yesterday and them talking about the fact that it looked like they were in line to get Man, the suspense Yoshida. I, no, like, you know, Boston's big free agent signing, right? It looked like he had come out and said that... He thought he was going to the Jays. He thought he was going to the Jays. He's going to the Jays. Which would change the entire look of this team, obviously. And if you look at what happened in the timeline, and I know Blair and Barker kind of went over this really in depth, but it did look like all of this Dalton Bar show stuff, the Chris Bassett signing, all happened immediately, after, immediately after the Red Sox signing. Which would make me question Ross Atkins even more, in all honesty. If plan A fell through and he went with plan B and now we're a little bit more handcuffed, you know, like just the big talk was Brandon Belt in the cleanup spot. And I love Brandon Belt. I think he has been excellent for this team. And I just think his fit would be better as a lefty bat off the bench, maybe playing a little bit left and using that experience that he brings to the table, those World Series rings to the table. I don't yeah. know if Brandon Belt as the DH was ever the plan, though. That's where I... No, and that's what I mean, right? No, but I mean, even going into the, like, after we lost out on Yoshida or whatever, mm. I, I never felt this offseason, like, we're penciling in Brandon Belt into the, the, the four slot. It just feels like he's the only one who's hit good enough to be there. Chapman has been ice cold yeah, and has kind of lost that. I don't know, like... I don't know. Here, okay, so here's this. Last season, Verlander, the report from Jeff Passan came out. Blue Jays were runners-up in the yeah. Justin Verlander sweepstakes. Now we're missing out on Yoshida. Is, is that a stain on Ross Atkins for not being able to get it done? Or is that a feather in his cap for showing the restraint and not... It's such a double-edged sword because there are lots of examples of him showing restraint where you're like, oh, thank God, right? Like Frankie Montes at the trade deadline. The Blue Jays could have had Montes. They were long, to, yeah, they were prepared to give up a Barriera or a Robles Martinez or even, God forbid, a Ricky team and they absolutely could have been holding Frankie Montes at the end of that trade deadline. You look at Carlos Rodon's sweepstakes that the Yankees wound up winning. And both of these are examples of two guys that are currently sitting on the IL for the New York Yankees with their starting pitching completely reeling and without Garrett Cole, I don't even know if the Yankees would be a playoff team at this point. So showing that kind of restraint and not going in on all, all in on a guy and maybe having the wherewithal to do the homework and obviously injuries, you cannot, you cannot bet on injuries happening. But you can do your homework on how often they happen on the history of these injuries. And so those are a couple examples of Ross Atkins coming out on top, it looked like. But you're right. Can we second-guess the Moreno trade publicly right now? <laughs> I've just been thinking about this because all off-season it felt like we had to trade one of our catchers. We had three catchers, can't have three catchers. We got rid of Moreno, Gurriel Jr., Ron Farshall. What does the alternate universe look like where Moreno is just hitting as often as Kevin Biccio? And we have Lourdes Gurriel in left field. Is it that much worse? Honestly, more than what they would be doing on this team right now, I'm curious what their value could have been allocated to 
otherwise. Right? So, sure, they were moved for Dalton Varshow. I love Varshow. I, do I really do think Varshow was a great acquisition, and I think that the Jays and this fan base is going to be happy with him for the remaining of his Jays career. Another three and a half years of control on him, and he has been nothing but fantastic in that outfield. But it is it is a fun exercise to kind it's of... fun. Well... I don't know, it's an interesting exercise anyways to see where you would have allocated those resources and what else you could have got outside of that. I think that uh, losing out to the Red Sox, maybe it did make Atkins go, you know what, then we're getting our show no matter what. And whenever that happens... You lose leverage. You lose okay. leverage, exactly. So, I mean, even when we were lucky enough to talk with Mark Shapiro, and you know, it's not like we laid the screws to him. We're not uh, those type of sports journalists. Uh, in fact, using the term journalist for us is generous. It's very generous and should not be used. But the one thing, I, the one thing Shapiro did mention to us is that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. That trade wasn't happening without him being added. And so maybe they went a little bit further by moving him. And I don't think, and, and this is where I question Atkins. Maybe he didn't want to move Lourdes. Even with the way Vladdy is right now on this team reeling, and I know friend of the show, Hey Kami, Joel, constantly brings up the fact that Vladdy went from little brother to now being in the big brother scenario and maybe losing Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to lean on is making him struggle more than they had anticipated. And I don't think that Vladdy is in trouble long-term career-wise, but we might need to write off this season as him being the superstar guy who can carry the team like he was. I mean, his numbers, he's still an above-average player, but this is not the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This front office was counting on, let's face it. What's the solution, then? I don't think there is one. I think you just need to keep rolling him out and hope it, he figures it out. Can we get to Oscar back? Yeah. You don't want to. I say send Adam Mackle and cash. <laughs> right. I say you go to Seattle at the trade deadline and you're like, do you want Adam Mackle back? What about a little money? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to ask her back anyways. I don't either. Although, I don't even think Seattle re-signs him this year. I think he's gone. In Seattle could get creative and even move him and not be one of those teams that isn't a buyer or seller and trying to do the middle ground, which, you know, is always the worst as a fan base when you're... That'll be us this year. Yeah, that could very well be this Blue Jays team this year. Absolutely. Well, what, what do we have to spend? We got this comment last week. Let's touch on it again. If we were to be a buyer, what can we move? We can't just take on cash. We're already at the top. Well, prospects. It's disheartening when you start to go down the list of what this Blue Jays team has as assets to move at the trade deadline. I personally... I love our guys in Vancouver. I So do I. But they're not worth trading. And that's the thing, is that our, our highest-end prospects, the guys with the highest ceiling, are also the least developed <laughs> in this system, right? So it's all the 20-year-olds in Vancouver. A team, by the way, the Vancouver Canadians, it's the middle of June. I've already clinched a playoff spot, which is absolutely... I know, it's insane what this Canadiens team is doing. But the downfall is that all of these assets are, you know... They're, they're guys that would be toppers in trades, right? They're guys that would move the needle a little bit. Well, who's really going to move the needle? The guys who really have value, Ricky Tiedemann. Brandon Barriera, and to a lesser extent, Araldis Martinez. All of these gentlemen are 21 or younger, and all of them have a lot of development left to go, especially Martinez and Barriera. Ricky Tiedemann is without a doubt 
the top prospect in this organization, and he hasn't spent a lot of time on the field in Double A. He has struggled with injuries this season, which is a real bummer. Yeah. What's that? He's like Nate Pearson right now, and and you look at other assets that this organization may have. Yes, we've talked. They could move a Santiago Espinal. They could move some of these fringe guys, a Kevin Biggio. But how much are you going to get for dudes like that? Maybe a bullpen piece. And they do need to bolster this pen a little bit. But I, I don't know. Like, honestly, without giving up one of those big ships like Tiedemann or Barriera, I don't, I don't know what this team can do. Yeah, it's not going to be a... What was the Tulowitzki digging price here? Was it 2016? Mm -hmm. 27. Or uh, 2015, sorry. Yeah, 2015. That's not the summer we're in for. No, I don't think it is. Especially, it was a different time too. You know? Not to be the old man here, but 2015, I mean, there were fewer teams making the playoffs. They've expanded the playoffs, and now more and more organizations are in it longer and are being encouraged to, if not sell, or sorry, if not buy, to not sell, right? Like teams like the Cleveland Guardians, right? This is a team that in 2015, with the record they have right now in June, would be sellers. They absolutely would be. And they might still be, but they're only one game back of the Twins for that AL Central top spot, and they're three games under 500. So you, you as a team in the Central, you're probably a little bit less likely to sell because you could literally win the division. I don't know. With fewer people, fewer teams on the market, prices are just going to be expensive. And you're going to see guys that don't deserve an Aralvis Martinez added to the deal. And they're going to be asking for that. And that, that is worrisome. Unless, unless Ross Atkins can convince Rogers to go to that second luxury tax, I don't think... They do all that much other than peripheral moves to... I mean, if this team was... the Like, if we were winning the AL East right now, I'd be more... Maybe, maybe that... Then, then, then maybe you could convince Rogers. Exactly. Look, this is our year. All we're missing is this one piece, mm -hmm. these two pieces. Let's go get them. But to push all your chips in, when we might not even make the playoffs, that's a stretch. Mm -hmm. We'll question the audience here. What's your most realistic dream trade for them? What's your most realistic dream trade, Scott? That is a really good question. Does anyone have a player in mind here right now that they really want to see the Jays go after? Marcus Stroman. That's a name that, get, that I see a lot. Marcus Stroman is an excellent, excellent theoretical trade here. <laughs> All right. I, listen, there are a lot of Marcus Stroman haters. I am not one of them. All right. I loved what Marcus Stroman did for this organization. You look back at 2015 and the bulldog he was and how he came back from injury despite everyone out there being like, it's impossible that he's back this season. Not only did he come back, but he was the best playoff pitcher this organization had and then you look at his career and what he has done and all that guy does is go out and pitch 200 innings a year in a in a time in baseball when that's not a thing all that said marcus stroman the whole reason he might be moved from the cubs is that they don't wish to give him a long-term contract so it doesn't necessarily mean he can't be moved, but I think to be moved to a team, and he, he does have some say in this, 
We don't know if Toronto's on the no-fly zone. He does have some some teams. I think he had 10 teams on the no-trade list, which, of course, he's not going to advertise. I just don't think, when it comes to Marcus Stroman, that starting pitching is by any means our biggest need. And, and I'm well aware of the old adage, you can never have too much starting pitching. And I mean, that gets proven time and time again. What about the, old, the, the older adage? Four is plenty. <laughs> Four. We don't need more. Yeah. Um, so, how much would Marcus Stroman cost? Will the Cubs give him up with a year of control left in 2024 for anything less than a Ricky Tiedemann type of piece? I'd be shocked. Okay. I. See. By the way, Marcus Stroman uh, making a very good argument for NL Cy Young. Candidate, I would say probably a top three guy there. My computer just died, so I can't chance. Okay, but I'll take your word for it. How's this? Uh, a Roldis Chapman? No. Okay. <laughs> Quick no. No. Quick no. Not interested. Okay. <laughs> Not interested. All right. Fair enough. Who, who's your bullpen piece that you're interested in? Then? Give me Liam Hendricks. Hey. Yeah. No. I like, I like, out of curiosity, what don't you like about Liam Hendricks? Do you think he's just over the hill at this point? No, no, he, I think he's going to be better next year, but I think it's a little bit too early for him. It's a little too early, isn't it? Yeah. And that's a really good point. To need a bullpen piece as badly as the Blue Jays do, that back end, high-leverage guy. Cancer? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All the way back, by the way. So, Liam, nicely yeah. done. Thank you. Thank you. So, and I, you know what, that's a really good point there in the back, is that Liam Hendricks might be a guy that really, really moves the needle in 2024, and maybe that is when you go talk to the White Sox, when he's only got a year left, because he's going to be, he's going to be cheaper during the offseason than he is at the trade deadline. Now, the thing that bothers me about that is, obviously, I want to win 2023. <laughs> I'm not writing this year off yet. I think that this team still has the the group that could go on a run. What about sticking with the White Sox? Uh, the name is escaping me right now. The grumpy shortstop. Mm, Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson. Yes. He is so disgruntled. Isn't he? Let's get him out of Chicago. Sure. Bring him over. We need a second baseman. Right? Go after Luis Robert. We won't even be like, we'll be like, you don't even need to learn anyone's name. <laughs> we don't like this idea. Uh, I don't think Tim Anderson fits personally. What? Uh, do we need another below average defensive shortstop? I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Tim Anderson could play second base. This is what I'm saying. We could have a fifth second baseman. Another <laughs> catcher. Yeah. Bring in. Uh, what is a good veteran catcher? That's actually something that I was thinking about recently too. But I don't know if you'd want to bring in a veteran catcher unless there was an injury. Which I mean, Kirky's on the IL right now. Why they got Caleb Joseph on the sports Yeah, <laughs> we'll bring in Caleb. <laughs> Yeah, bring in the Zamboni driver. Bring in Buck and, and Caleb. That's right. There you go. There's our veteran catchers. We'll 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 give Buck shit when he puts one knee down. Yeah. We'll be like, hey, hey, old man. He's like, it's sore. Yeah. It's sore. <laughs> uh, okay. You don't want a starting pitcher. I do want a starting pitcher. Okay. I just don't want to pay. I don't want to pay what Marcus Stroman will will cost. And with Hinjin Ryu coming back, and and fingers crossed that Alec Manoa gets right, hopefully that is enough. I mean, you look at the depth that Ross Atkins went out and got in Zach Thompson, Drew Hutchison, and hoping that things don't fall apart. Like, it's funny, because at the time, I even said, you know what, I'm feeling better about the depth than I was last year, and now I am eating those words, because Depth is funny, right? You have depth until uh, until, until you don't. Until your submarine 
Sorry. <laughs> we much, apologize to all the billionaires much, watching. Too much debt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> too soon. This went. This went dark. Wait. This is a great way to end the show. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, do we have any other topics that want to be talked about here before we wrap this thing up? Talk about those all stars. Yes. What about those all star players? So this is a great this is a great question. Um, Repeat it for anybody that didn't hear it on so the So basically, video. everyone watching at home, our all stars have been brought up, and so Adam, I will ask you the question: When it comes to fan voting and Blue Jays fans coming out in droves and stuffing those ballot boxes nice and full, do you feel that's? Uh, Bad for baseball. So let's run down the list of finalists. We've got Vladdy as a finalist at first. Yes. Bo is a runaway finalist. At runaway finalist at shortstop. Chapman's a finalist at third. Yes. Merrifield, finalist at second base. And Gary Kiermeyer in the outfield. That's right. Uh, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is... It's been an interesting thing to watch on Blue Jays Twitter is how many... How the fan base is kind of divided on this, because there's a lot of Blue Jays fans that have decided to take the moral high ground here and be like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this. They don't deserve it. But the All-Star Game is just for entertainment anyways. It doesn't mean anything anymore, especially after 2019 when they got rid of the fact that if you won the All-Star game, the winner of that would have home field advantage, right? So now at this point, it's just like every other sports all-star game, which doesn't mean shit. So if that's the case, let the fans vote, because you know it's the kids. All those kids are out there voting three times a day, you think? Like, I... I have you voted? I haven't yet. I'm, I'm, in fact, I think it's done. I'm just... I, just <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't vote. The final vote starts on Monday. Thank you. That's right. Finalist, so the finalist, final round of voting starts Monday. Does anyone here have a problem with fan voting? No, it is what it is, right? And I, I think, honestly, even if you go down the list of Blue Jays that have been nominated, it's not like it's that out of the realm of possibility that they're all-stars, right? Like, yeah, Matt Chapman has been a complete dud for two months, but he also had maybe the hottest April ever. I mean, it's not, but you know, it's it's a heck of an April. Okay, uh, Bo deserves his votes. Yeah. yeah, we can agree on that. Yeah, I think if I'm to, to rank deserving of votes, here's yeah. my here's my rank. Okay, Bo is at the top. Yeah, Gary Kiermaier. Yeah, is I think is hey. I don't think he deserves to be like a starter at the no. All Star game. I mean, we got uh, incredible other options out there. Kiermaier's the perfect Santiago Espinal All Star, yes. right? There's an injury two days before yeah. Kiermaier gets the call up. Yes, get fitted for your suit just in case. Uh, and then I think Chapman might be the next most deserving. Yeah, maybe. For the defense especially, and that is one thing that Matt Chapman continually does. And you know what? Vladdy, he constantly points to that gold glove of his too, and I know he's uh, looked pretty good at He times. should take his gold glove off when he's hitting. That's his probably the problem. Yeah. Yes. yes. The lack of mobility, that's the problem. I'm not anti-Merrifield, who I think is fourth on my list. Yeah. Except that I don't think he plays second base full-time enough. To be the to second, be the second yeah. baseman. He's, if he spends a lot of time in left field for a second baseman. Right? Yes. I know, he looks like Obachette out there in the outfield. Um, Vladdy does not deserve votes this year. I don't think he deserves a single vote. No, I would, I would agree with that. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to make the All-Star game because he's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's been the face of this Toronto Blue Jays franchise since he was first called up in 2019. He's had hype his entire career. He had one of the biggest years offensively 
as a Toronto Blue Jay that any fan has seen out of a out of a Jay in 2021. He had an incredible season last year, even though it was a step back. And I think it just stems to reason that he's got a lot of fans in this country, in Toronto, that are going to get him there. Let's end on this then. Okay. Home run derby. Vlad needs to be in the home run derby. Get him in the derby. I want to see Vlad in the home run derby so bad especially after that 2019 performance and i mean i keep thinking and i know i know i know okay there's reasons why you might not want him in the derby but at this point what harm can it do yeah, it, can't, like, it can't break his swing it right? can't break his swing maybe, maybe it's a catalyst that gets him going 2021 bryce harper after he won the derby was it 17 home runs yes 17 home runs to end the season yeah I think I need to see it. I need to see Vlad the Derby. I would agree. Let's end it on that, my man. So let's start with saying thank you very much to you guys who came out and bought tickets and are here right now. This was a lot of fun, and I hope you guys all enjoyed too. Uh, we'll chat after this, obviously. Uh, to those of you who bought tickets and didn't come out, thank you, I guess. Yeah, we don't. We also have a show in Edmonton you can buy tickets, tickets for. Tickets come to if you want. That said, we do know shit happens, and if you are watching at home and you're one of those people that bought tickets, reach out to us, alright? You get in free to our next live show we do. I think we're going to start trying to do this every couple of months here. I know that this is a small but mighty crowd right now, but we're going to continue to build this up because I think this is really fun, and I think this is something that Alberta baseball fans just don't have. So there you go. There you go. Thank you very much, everybody. Appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter and all my Walk Off Podcast, the Walk Off Podcast on Instagram. Take care, everybody. Cheers. We have shirts at the back. Yes. By the way, we do have merch at the back if you're interested. They're not only uh, on our website for uh, 65 and 45, uh, but there's no shipping involved here, so they are greatly discounted. Uh, but honestly, no pressure. You guys just being here is more than enough. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.